1: the podcast. On our last Lifestyle Makeover program, we showed you how to make inner resolutions by focusing on the one quality you want to develop. Well, thousands of you told us the quality you most want to develop is setting boundaries. Yep, number one. Number one. That's I knew funny. that was gonna be it, because <laughs> most women have the disease to please or have had it in one form or another. Some of you told us how not setting boundaries or not being able to say no or giving 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 of yourself And not being able to give enough time to yourself is affecting your life
3: Talk about not setting boundaries. I can't say no to anyone about anything Everybody calls me to babysit, but when I need a babysitter, I have no one to call I'm starting to resent my own family But I'm afraid to bring it up because I don't want anyone to be mad at me.
0: Dear Oprah I am desperately trying to figure out why I have such a problem setting boundaries, especially when it comes to my family. I allow my kids to walk all over me and feel like I don't get the respect I deserve. Inside, I'm crying out to myself, just say something, but the words won't come. For my entire life, I've had trouble setting boundaries and trying not to take things personally.
1: Just last month, I was standing at the counter waiting for the sales clerk to help me when this woman steps right in front of me in line. I was shocked, but didn't say a word. I just froze like an ice sculpture.
2: Dear Oprah, I have confrontation phobia. Once when my hairstylist gave me a bad haircut, I didn't tell her. I even tipped her. Then I just went home and I cried. I let people walk all over me like a nature trail. If someone owes me money, I don't ask for it back. And if I do try to bring it up, I can hear my voice quivering with fear, so I back off. I hate being like this, and I really want to change.
1: Well, creating stronger boundaries is the number one way for most women to improve their lives. Our lifestyle makeover expert, Cheryl Richardson, says that if you are not setting boundaries, listen to this. If you're not setting boundaries, then you are really inviting people to ignore your needs. Right. You're, isn't that, you get that? You're like saying, right.
0: come on, yeah. walk on me. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's funny you say that because I remember years ago someone sent me a postcard, a friend, as a joke. Mm. And on the postcard was a woman laying on the ground, and there were uh, footsteps uh-huh. up her body uh-huh. to here. And the line and the caption underneath read, wait, wait, there's a part of my face you haven't stepped on yet. Wow. And, you know, as humorous as that might have been, it really struck me. Like, I realized at that time, if we don't set boundaries, if we don't teach people how to treat us That's with a grace realism. and love, yeah. mm-hmm. if we don't teach people how to treat us, then Essentially, we're basically giving people permission to walk along. Well, with us. yes.
1: And so when you find yourself in a position where you are the one who's always babysitting and then you can't find anybody to babysit, you have taught people to respond to you that way.
0: That's right. You notice in that point, she said, Well, I can't find anybody. My question would be, Are you asking anybody? Mm-hmm. Because usually we have a hard time asking for the things that we need, or we have a hard time telling people, Stop, can't go any further, or that's not okay with me. And so th- and we end up feeling And where does and this resentful. come from?
1: Where does this come from?
0: Well. I think it's, it's, I think it's complicated. Yeah. And the truth is, most of our parents were never taught to have boundaries. I think if you go back, quite frankly, Oprah, a couple hundred, of, hundred years and you look at... Back then, people had children, and children worked the farms or they worked the land. I mean, there was not there wasn't a lot of relating between people. And so people never learned how to say, this is where I stop and this is where you begin. And it just gets carried over That's right. from generation and to generation. And as
1: women people, not as men people, but as win- women people, we have been socialized to go along with the program.
0: Our brains are set up to be relational, more so in a different way than men. So being relational, we've we've confused being relational or relationship oriented with giving up our needs for everybody else. Yes.
1: And we've confused being nice with letting people use you. That's right. That's right. Don't you think? Nice is
0: a good word actually to just eliminate from your vocabulary, quite frankly, because that's exactly what it means to be. nice
1: means being, being able to do what other people want you to do, but not necessarily what right. you That's right.
0: Making sure you like me, making sure you speak well about me, making sure I keep you happy, I don't disappoint you, right. all that stuff.
1: Now, Cheryl says, to find clues about boundaries, you need to set. Remember a time when you felt... This is good, Cheryl. Oh. Remember a time when you felt angry, anxious,
0: or resentful? Yes. Those are clues. The first thing is we have to identify where we don't have boundaries in our lives. And a lot of women can't answer that question. So what you can do is take out your journal and start writing about, when do I normally feel resentful? When do I feel frustrated? When do I feel anxious? When do I run to the refrigerator when somebody says something to me and I don't say anything? Instead, I go stuff the feelings with food. Those will start to give you some clues as to the places where you may need to set boundaries.
1: Okay. And after you do that, then what?
0: Once you identify. Because I know a lot
1: of people know where it is. They say, oh, when my mother calls, when my sister calls, when my, anybody, as a woman on the tape says, when anybody asks her to do anything.
0: Right. Okay. Right. Once you identify where they are, and I think that is an important first step, then it's about getting up the courage to set the boundaries. And it's not just, I'm going to be bold and courageous and go out and do it, you need to prepare yourself. You need to have someone to speak to before and after a difficult conversation. You need the right language. We heard something on the tape about, well, I don't know what to say. Most of the, most of the time, the reason women don't set boundaries, they don't know what to say. That is true. When I give them language to, to set a boundary with grace and love, you can see a change in someone's face. They'll go, I can do that. Oh, I, it never occurred to me. I could say it that way. So we usually need support. We need language. And then we just have to take the almighty leap. I've had this problem for years or had this problem for years. And I had to start small. I had to
1: start yes. small. So at first, I couldn't just say, no, I would have to say, I used to say, well, let me pray about it. <laughs> Let me pray That's about a good it. One. Let me pray. That's let me pray one. about it. Let me pray on it. Let me get, and then let me get back to you. Can yes. I think about it for a moment? Can yes. I think about it? Could you give me a
0: day? Well, and you know what, Oprah? A lot of women. It doesn't even occur to them that they can do that. That they, and I like that. Let me pray about it. Let me sleep on it. Or then I, I come back and say, Jesus said no. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus said for me to tell you
1: no. <laughs> Who's I gonna personally wanted that? to do it, but Jesus said. <laughs> <laughs> this is Gay-Lynn. She created a life map, which I thought was a really great thing that Cheryl had asked the women to do. And she discovered that she had no room in her life for what was most important because she was afraid to set boundaries. So she's looking at how not being able to set boundaries is keeping her from creating the life she wants, which it really does. It keeps you from moving forward in your life.
2: I... Find it difficult to set boundaries. I'm afraid that other people will think I'm selfish, inconsiderate, or just plain rude. My life is so chaotic between my volunteer hours, my children's activities. Thing is as soon as piano was over, I have to get to cheerleading because it starts at six. My commitments as a cheerleading coach. Keep going, please, go, come on, go! And just being a mom and a housewife. We have about um, six or seven minutes before we have to leave for piano. I feel overwhelmed so much of the time, and a lot of the time, underappreciating. I'm afraid I'm going to disappoint someone else or hurt their feelings, but oftentimes, I feel like I've been taken advantage of, and that leaves me feeling overwhelmed and angry. I end up paying for it, either with my time or even money. I went to purchase a car. I ended up paying $2,000 more than I truly could afford because I didn't want to go through that confrontation. I felt powerless, my palms were sweating, I felt anxious, nauseous, like I had this uncontrollable weakness over my entire body. One of my other biggest fears is making my hairstylist feel like I'm being difficult. I've had the same stylist for a number of years. And I've always liked what he's done with my hair, but now it's time for a change. And I'm afraid to confront him for fear that I'll hurt his feelings. I've been a high school cheerleading coach for the past seven years. Though it is supposed to be part time, it's easily 30 to 40 hours a week. All of the extra things that come with the job, the fundraising, the phone calls, the paperwork, Take more of my time away from my family and require such a larger commitment of my time, I know I need to set a boundary someplace. I don't want to continue living with this anxiety.
1: Were you aware that it's having this deep of an impact on your
2: life? No, because I'm so used to having mm-hmm. this much stuff yeah. in my life that until I did the life map with Cheryl, I didn't even realize how far close to the bottom the things that I wanted for me were until I saw it in front of me.
0: Yeah. And, you know, I noticed you said something really important, too. We were talking earlier about clues as to where you need to set boundaries. You said a really key word that a lot of women say, I feel underappreciated a lot. That's another clue. If you're walking around feeling as though you're underappreciated, ask yourself, what am I doing that maybe I need to stop doing? And also when you said, I feel anxious, my palms sweat, once again, if we look for those triggers or the kinds of things that occur, you know, all of a sudden I feel charged up when somebody says something or when I'm arguing uh, in the, you know, with my children or whatever, those are all clues as to the places that we need to start setting boundaries in order to have more of what you want in your Isn't
1: life. the nature of being a mom is that you are underappreciated? Like no, <laughs> well, your kids do under the kids don't appreciate
0: yes. it until they get up and uh,
1: and are old enough to
0: understand well, what it takes to do what you've done. Absolutely, and not only that, but once again, we live in a culture that still underappreciates motherhood.
1: So we're talking about the power of setting personal boundaries in your life with Cheryl Richardson, author of Life Makeovers. Now. Cheryl gave gay the tools and language to set firm boundaries and face her fear of confrontation, so we asked a car salesman to help us test her new boundary-setting skills by being extra persistent. Now, remember, we're not really focusing on the price of the car. We wanted gay to confront the feelings that make her unable to set boundaries without
2: backing down. Okay, I'm ready to do this. I'm here to face my world's worst nightmare. I'm going to negotiate a car. My hands are sweaty, my heart is racing, I have this pit in my stomach, my throat is dry.
1: Lynn's goal was to prevent John the salesman from crossing her boundaries by persuading her to pay more for the car than she planned. John agreed to help us out by doing everything he could to test her boundaries. First, he reasoned with her.
2: You need to do this, you need
1: to treat yourself.
2: Right, but I need to know I did it
1: for the right reasons. Then he tried to make her feel guilty. I mean, my, prop, my
3: profit margin is 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 so small at this point, but I you know I need to try and make some money too.
2: All I need you to hear me say right now is, this is too much.
1: Negotiations went on and on, 16. and finally John turned up the pressure, and Gaylin yeah, almost caved in. I asked
3: you, and you, you signed there and said, yeah, that's that's fine. i It's I'm a okay
2: woman's prerogative that. to change her mind,
1: though. But no matter what John tried, Gay Lynn would not back down. I thought I had her cornered and she scurried out of it. Next thing I know, I'm on the ropes. Gay Lynn actually got John to agree to a price that was $200 less than what she was prepared to pay.
2: I feel drained. It was very grueling, but at the same time, it was a very powerful experience. So Gay Lynn says the
0: phrase, I need you to hear me, was empowering. So
1: where did you learn that?
0: Well, we did a few things. I spoke to Galen the night before she went in because, of course, she didn't know that the salesman knew this was going on. She thought she was going in cold to negotiate for a car. So we spoke beforehand, and she was terrified. She said to me, I am absolutely so frightened terrified. to do this. And a lot of women are. Negotiating a car is just symbolic for the other things we negotiate in our lives. So first That's we... That's good. It's symbolic. Yes, mm-hmm. absolutely. And as a matter of fact, I said that to Galen the night before. I said, you know, you might think this is about buying a car, but it's really about something much more. It's about mm-hmm. strengthening that muscle right. that will right. allow you to set the boundaries. So we talked about some language, as you heard, things like, well, it's, I, 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 I have like permission that. to change my mind. It's okay. You said it's a woman's prerogative to change her mind. I need you to hear what I'm saying. When somebody...
1: Now, that's a big, that's one of the biggest things I learned. I about 32, I which learned Which one? That. You have the right to change your mind. Absolutely, because you know you think once you've said it, mm-hmm. you have to stick to it no matter what. You have right. to die. And doing I signed
2: it. on that no. little piece of paper. No.
0: And you I have was... the right
1: to change your mind. That's huge. You have the know. right to
0: change your mind. I need you to hear what I'm saying. The other thing I did with Galen is I said to her, "Tell me one thing you could do in the middle of that negotiating when your heart starts racing. What one thing could you do for yourself to center yourself or calm yourself down?" Galen decided to just put her hand on her heart. <coughs> Nobody had to know. But when she got to the point where she got nervous, she simply put her hand here, and that was her message to herself that it's okay, we can do this, don't worry about it. Some women will take an object with them, a, an object that means something to them, maybe a piece of jewelry from a strong. What's really good relative. to do is to
1: take a deep breath, and it's to, to breathe. really take a deep breath and breathe, and then go back to center for yourself. And That's to be good.
0: even able to say to the person you're speaking with, you know what, I need to take a breath here for a minute. It's okay to do that, or. You know, I'm not going to make a decision right now. I've decided I'm going to sleep on Those it. Those are all really good lines. Hey, I'm not going to make a
1: decision right, right now. I'm going to sleep on it. That's right. You can sleep on it or pray on it, whichever one yes. you want to do. Yes, I like the praying on it. Okay, I'm going <laughs> to. <'Cause> s- then <laughs> Jesus can say no. So right. Jesus can say no yeah. for you the next day. Yes, I
0: need you to hear what I'm saying, mm-hmm. so that if someone, if you feel like you're getting bowled over by somebody, you can just simply, you can actually. Do I need this. you to
1: hear what I'm saying is good for your kids too. Yes. See, I, I I've been saying the op, I've been saying something like that. I was in con- confrontation. With somebody the other day, which this has been my greatest fear, too. And I could tell they're trying to, this is what I learned from Gavin DeBecker once. When you are saying one thing and another person keeps trying to tell you the they're opposite, they are else. trying to control you. That's right. So the moment you can get that in your brain, that when you're saying one thing and they keep saying the opposite, you say, you immediately go to that part of yourself that says, oh, this person is trying to control That's right. me.
0: This right. is not about communication, and this is not moment. about communication. Because I've
1: already told you no. So what part of that don't you understand? Right, right. Right. And so when they continue, I I often say, you're not hearing me, Yes. but I think to say, I need you to hear me is better. And
0: you know what, Oprah? You can just say that one line over Over and over over over. again. I need you to hear me. I need you to hear me. See, women get into trouble when they start over-explaining or trying to justify their position or debating. Look at all the heads going, yes, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean. That's exactly what happens. When instead, if you have the right language, all you need to do is keep repeating that line. I have the right to change my mind. I'm not going to make a decision right now. I need you to hear me, or it's perfectly okay to go stop. I need you to hear me, to literally put your hand up and ask that person to stop. The hand does wonders, by the way. Yes. Especially when someone's, you know, just going to town and trying to control That's you. That's my Angelou moment. Okay. That's my
1: Stop it. Stop it now. <laughs> and she does it so yes. well. Yes. And then it, the room goes silent. Yes. Okay. Yes. Well, it can be harder to set boundaries with someone you know well than with a stranger, like the car sal- salesman was. So after her success at the car dealership, Gaylin had the courage to set two more boundaries she'd been avoiding. We challenged Jalen to do something she hadn't been able to do in over two years, tell her hairstylist she wanted something new.
2: I am so anxious about what I'm going to say and how he's going to feel. I don't want to disappoint him. I don't want him to feel like I'm being difficult. I just need to set the boundary. So I've always liked what we've done in the past, but the only thing is I would like a little more to work with here maybe layer wise and coming off here and it's still a little bit heavy on this side
1: galen's hairstylist was more than happy to give her the look she wanted
2: looks great i really appreciate the fact that you listened to what i was saying and we were able to accomplish what's going to work best for me not a problem my pleasure is
1: always later she decided to set an important new boundary that would really change her life she wanted to cut back on some of her responsibilities as a cheerleading coach to have more time for herself and her
2: family. I'm already feeling guilty that I have to lay these boundaries. I'm already assuming that she will be disappointed in me. I've loved being here for the last seven years, but I've found that every year the commitment has taken more time from my family, more time from me. Uh-huh. What I would like to be able to do is to set those boundaries for next year. Any way that I can support you, and
1: Galen and her supervisor worked out a more flexible schedule.
2: I feel like I set the boundaries. They will be able to be carried out. And I will actually have so much more of my time back. Now, I'm wondering, like
1: everybody else, I guess, what does the camera factor do there? Because they, they, they obviously can see the camera in the room. So I'm wondering, do the people go, oh, certainly.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Whatever you wish, it's um... Actually, I was talking to Cheryl about it, and I think part of my boundary setting has come from I have gotten better at choosing the people I want in my Uh life, and they're more nurturing, they're warmer. So it makes it more difficult for me to say to them, I can't do this anymore because I don't want to break away from that friendship. Part. Yeah, so it's harder for you so, with people
1: you know, right? Okay, but, for but them, I'm just saying. But the camera's really... in the room, so do you think the camera had anything to do with their Those reaction? People
2: are genuinely that okay. caring, and and I really do feel like I was hurt. Everything I said, you know, Cheryl explained to me. Sometimes, especially in a friendly situation, yeah, you don't express what you need, and people don't know what you need if you don't ask for it. Yeah. So she warned me. She said you may go into these situations expecting Or assuming that confrontation that you have found in the past, and they're going to say, "Okay," and when you've picked yourself back up off the floor because they have agreed, then you can go forward. Which is what
1: happens most times. The thing you feared confronting, because people who care about you, as as she said, they want to support you the best way they can. It's only the people who want to control you that that, that argue. Right. Yes.
0: And you did something really great with the hairdresser one, which the hairstylist. I mean, how many women can identify with that, afraid to tell your hairstylist (laughs) that you want something different? Not I.
1: (laughs) Not I. I tell them all the time. Yeah.
0: Once again with the language, I mean, Galen simply went in saying, I really love what we've done up till this point. Now I'm ready for a change. The language made a big difference. And then you did something great. At the end of it all, she thanked him for hearing her. Yeah which is very important. Thank yeah, you. I feel good. like you heard me and I appreciate what you did. And then in terms of the cheerleader situation, you know, when we first looked at I said to Galen, what's best case scenario here? What do you really want to have happen and let's work from there. Right. And so we made some concessions back and forth, but you're absolutely right when you walk into situations, especially when you have great people with you, the chances are they're going to respond in an unexpected way, which is with a lot less upset than you expected.
1: Well, see, the difference is I see my hairdresser every day, so he's still hearing about a bad haircut he gave me in 1992.
0: <laughs> 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 then I have to talk to him about setting boundaries. Yes, he needs,
1: <laughs> he needs to say enough for me. He goes, oh, God, are we talking about that again? Do not take anything personally. Nothing others do is because of you. What other people say and do is a projection of their own reality, their own dream. When you are immune, to the opinions and actions of others, you won't be the victim of needless suffering. That was from the book The Four Agreements. Cheryl says that most women need to protect their emotional well-being by setting an internal boundary. But before we go to Narissa, you wanted to say what?
3: Um, Cheryl, the question I have is I do the best I can to speak up. However, after I do, I may hear somebody say, oh, that's just Susie, or she's just a prima donna, and that bothers me.
0: Great, Another opportunity to set a boundary. I mean, if it's somebody close to you and they're saying, oh, that's just her or she's a prima donna or whatever, you probably need to go to that person and simply say, you know, it's not okay to me that you say that. It hurts my feelings or whatever the truth is. And I'd like to ask you to not do that.
1: Right? She is not doing that right (laughs) now. She's thinking now that is just more than I can handle. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs>
3: but sometimes when you do that, someone may say, "Well, I, oh, I didn't say that, or, or, I didn't mean that, right. or, And just right, it, right. internally."
1: Let I... me ask you: Are you a prima donna? No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, because maybe you are a prima donna, and or whatever people perceive to be. If people perceive your actions or whatever your boundary setting to be to be called a prima donna, but that's okay with you then that is
0: okay That's exactly right.
1: This is
3: my
0: sister. Am I? Uh, Sometimes. You You know what? You know what though? I think you need to hear what Oprah's saying. The truth is this that for a lot of women who who don't set boundaries in their lives when they start setting boundaries They will appear to be a diva or a prima donna to the women in their lives or to the people in their lives And I say celebrate your prima donna hood all right. Mm-hmm. Really? That's right. Really, That's Totally fine. So be a diva.
1: The moment you start to set boundaries for yourself, right. people then go to, well, who does she think she is? Right. Which is the same thing as she's a prima donna, or she thinks she's so much, and right. she's mm-hmm. just a Miss Diva. And so... The the truth of the matter is you've got to know who you are mm. to be able to stand it's inside true. yourself and say, Yeah, this is who I am. But like you, are you, you said, you know, I'll say, Oh, I'll pray about it, or I'll
3: talk about it. I'm like, Oh, I'll pray about it. People will laugh, you'll pray about it. What's up with that, girl? I'm like, <laughs> Well, I am. And then people will and I'll stand for that. And people will Good. think that's funny
1: or and that sometimes bother me. And maybe I have okay, to it. Okay, and I'm like part. and and so they will think it's funny well, and right. so.
0: That's right. I'll pray about it. <laughs> I mean. Well, and also pay attention, to, pay attention to the internal boundary conversation because part of what you're talking about is the way we internalize what other people say about us afterwards. And there's something you need to do in order to protect your emotional well-being so that you're not so affected by people saying, oh, well, who does she think she is, or she's a prima donna, because you will be perceived as a prima donna. And I'd, I'd say, take that as a sign that you're probably doing the right thing.
1: Well, see, that may not be the word for you. I literally do pray about things, so that it's, uh, you know, it's like a running joke in this company that whenever other managers would come to me, they, they would, like, leave a little note. They go, I know you're going to pray about it. Mm-hmm. Get back to me after you've prayed about it. Mm-hmm. So that's just because it's the nature of my personality. That may not be the right word for you. Mm-hmm. You might want to sleep on it. But I do. she I mean, about it.
0: <laughs> she does pray about yeah, it. Yeah, okay. she'll pray about it.
1: Okay, this is Narissa. Thank you so much. She uh, says taking things personally is keeping her from living the life she wants, and she's desperate to stop.
3: For as long as I can remember, I've taken things personally. Since I was a little girl, I can remember others talking about me and my feeling bad about that. I often get my feelings hurt and feel criticized by other people, but they would never know that because I don't ever confront them. I'll dwell on something for hours or for days. Taking things personally has caused me to lose weight, It's caused my hair to fall out. I've lost many nights of sleep over comments that people have made to me, and I run them over and over in my head, trying to figure out why they said what they said. It makes me feel very sad because there's a part of me that wants to let it go, but I can't. Once I had to do a report for my boss, I gave it to him and he handed it back to me with lots of corrections, and it made me feel totally inadequate. I thought about it for days. I saw this coat at a vintage store and I thought to myself, I have to have that coat. Well I wore it to a party and a very good friend of mine saw the coat and she said to me, I cannot believe you wore that ugly coat. And I didn't say anything to her at the time but it really, really hurt my feelings. I took her comment not as an attack on the coat but as an attack on me and my choices. If there's a friend that I usually talk to and I call them repeatedly and they don't call me back, I think there's a problem. I haven't heard back from you. I hope I haven't offended you in any way. If I'm trying on clothes at a store with a friend, and they comment on the way the clothes fit my body, I take it as a personal attack.
1: These pants are perfect. Don't you know what? You because you don't have any hips, this is, this is not right for you.
3: On the inside, I was thinking, it's not that she doesn't like the outfit. She has an issue with the way I'm shaped. It makes me very sad to spend so much of my time my life worrying about situations I just have absolutely no control over. I want to learn not to take things so personally and to honestly look at them for what they are.
0: Narissa's example here is what happens when the outside world begins to mesh with our inside world. You feel vulnerable, and the more vulnerable you feel, the more affected you are by everything that happens around you. That's why you obsess about the friend who hasn't called back. Well, we need to set an internal boundary. And an internal boundary is like a shield that protects your vulnerable emotional well-being. And when you set that internal boundary, if you imagine that shield, and this takes practice and it takes time, what happens is when someone makes a comment like, that coat is ugly, it stops at the shield. And then you get to decide, hold on a second, how much of this is is true? How much of it is about the other person? And what do I need to do, if anything? Now, the fact that... Well, Narissa's it's all
1: about the other person, because that's why I love the four agreements so much, that, that, that second agreement, don't take anything personally, because everything is about the other person's opinion. If I say I like your blouse, your orange blouse, that's just, just because I do. I like the color orange. I like it. And, and that's my personal opinion of that.
0: I think that the real question is, is there something that you can learn from someone's comment? You know, the ugly coat may not be a good example, but if someone were to say to you, you're really arrogant, you might. This is an opportunity for you to stop. As long as it stops, for you to say, "Wait a second. Let me. Am I? Is there any part of that that's true that I could learn from?" And then from there, you know, Narissa, you said the thing about the ugly coat. You said it really, really hurt me. That was an indication that you probably needed to say something, and you probably still do. Of course, you've already said it now. <laughs> right. Um, you know, where you can <laughs> simply say to your friend, "I really love you," and you know that comment you made about the coat really hurt my feelings, and I just need you to know that. Right. Too many women will internalize that stuff. And I worry about what it does to our bodies. You already said you lose weight, you lose your hair. When someone makes a comment and it hurts you or it offends you and you swallow it and you don't say anything, it's got to go someplace. It doesn't just go out your feet immediately. It hangs around for a while. And we need to be concerned about what's going on inside of us when we hold on to that stuff. We have to bring it up and out, whether it's to the person or to someone safe.
1: Yeah, I'm sitting here chuckling because when I saw that, I remember I was uh, with my friend Gail once who we were trying on this dress and it had a like a bow in the back. And I said, you should not put that on because that makes your butt look big. And she says, my butt is big, so she goes because she was gonna meet somebody. She goes, so I'll just back into the room. Want to thank Cheryl Richardson. Her book is called life makeovers. Thanks to Galen and Arissa for sharing your stories. Thank you. I'm Oprah Winfrey, and you've been listening to The Oprah Winfrey Show, The Podcast. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join me next week for another Oprah show, The Podcast. And I thank you for listening.